So, in the last episode, I spoke about a 20-point checklist that can be used for family and friends who are concerned about someone they know that might be gambling too much. In this episode, I cover the remaining 10 questions of that list in more detail and draw upon my own experiences to help. The next question on that list is, does he take longer than you would expect to go shopping or take the car to a car wash? It's a list specifically made by a gambling addict. So obviously it's quite relevant to their own experience. So I would say that you don't need to think about this question specifically on shopping or a car wash. This could be more general. So in terms of if someone is away and you don't know where they are, or maybe they're taking longer doing it, doing something, then that's more, that's a valid concern. There has been research done by the Gambling Commission that shows an increase over the last 10 years of gambling carried out online. That's obviously expected due to the introduction of better phones, computers, better internet. I would say that looking at behaviour patterns with relation to time spent away might not be as useful as it once was. There definitely are addicts who, who still visit the shops and casinos But in the last year or so, COVID has impacted that as well. And I have got a lot to say with regards to the lockdown, which can be done at a later date as well. The relevance here is that so many people have more time indoors and on their phone. So that's more the behaviour I'd be concentrating on, which is looking at the amount of screen time and how that might be with relation to gambling. Does he hide bank statements or credit card statements from you? And or is he nervous when the postman delivers, always wanting to get the mail first? So again, you can see from these questions, they're written by a particular addict and therefore have the behaviour patterns that are related to his betting. Times have changed in the last 10 years and in that a lot of statements are done online now. And it's also a very private thing now with online banking. So it would be difficult to ever see or even request a statement. Although I do remember receiving online statements through the post that I would have to obtain before anyone else when I was living at home. What is more accurate to me is loan companies sending letters. There was definitely a point where I'd be receiving two, three, four letters per week and I had between seven and ten outstanding loans that required immediate payment and I wasn't answering their calls or emails so their only option was to send letters. This looked extremely suspicious, as I was getting a huge increase of mail for no apparent reason. If I remember correctly, it was one of the ways in which I was found out because of the abundance of loan companies chasing payments. So ultimately, hiding bank statements or posts is definitely a sign that an addict may be wanting to hide gambling activity. The next three questions are completely related to time again. Does he work longer hours? And does he spend longer reading the newspaper? When I speak to people about my addiction, I think one of the main things they are surprised about is time. Firstly, the time spent actually gambling. An example is in a casino or betting shop. I may be a bit unusual here in that I was reckless with spending and never actually had that much money to play with. So a typical session in a casino would only last a few hours. 
which is actually quite short in comparison to other gambling addicts. Even in a betting shop where you could access horse racing, virtual races and a machine, that would again only be a maximum of two to three hours. This is still quite a long time and it's a noticeable amount of time for a family or friend to not reply on their phone. To my friends who I messaged regularly, they would actually recognise when I wasn't replying. Let's say that I'd agreed to meet them later and I was late or not getting in, not getting in touch with them. They could only guess what I'd been up to. I think this even happened a lot after work. That would be a prime time to, when working in London, to go to a casino or a betting shop in town. And then obviously you'd arrive home a lot later and you wouldn't make dinner and you'd have to lie about your whereabouts or what you'd been up to. But it's the time spent online gambling which I think is far more dangerous. A scenario could be that you have a day off work. Maybe nobody's in the house and you aren't scheduled to meet anyone that day. You could start at 9am. You could completely miss lunch, forget to eat or drink or do anything productive. By the time you take a breath, it's three o'clock. Six hours can fly by. I think as a generation, we are very used to spending an inordinate amount of time on screens. I spoke before about the sensation you feel when betting and how nothing else really matters at that moment. If you throw this all together, there were times where I gambled for more than six hours. Money doesn't even matter then because the ease of depositing straight away and the access to your bank account makes it all that easier. I'd like to compare the difference between online and in-person gambling in another episode and about how you could spend a lot more time and money now than maybe you could back then because of having to go to a cash machine and having withdrawal limits, etc. Also, don't forget that you haven't got a person in a booth watching you or a casino dealer monitoring your moves so they can make sure that you're okay and you're not too stressed. Instead, with online websites, a small message pops up reminding you you've been on since 9am and then you just click off it and that's it really. You can continue. I think it's important to mention that because time that is accounted for is one of the main ways to recognise whether someone has a gambling addiction. I think that is, that is important to mention because time that isn't accounted for is one of the main ways to recognise whether someone has a gambling addiction. Are you aware that he gambles and do you ever go to a casino or race meeting with him? This is an interesting one because there were definitely warning signs at the beginning of my addiction. To start with, it was a lot more public and I would gamble with all types of friends in all sorts of places. It was social. We would go to the casino or bet on horse racing or football games together. When one of us won, we all celebrated. If there was a loss, it felt like we were all in it together. However, if you are gambling with someone, there are a few ways you could potentially tell if they have a problem. Are the stakes too high? This was one of the things that happened gradually with me. A typical football bet between friends could be five or ten pounds, but I would sometimes stake a hundred pounds on a game. Stakes that go against the trend of general betting within your friend circle are worrying. 
Also, what are the odds of that bet? Again, a typical gamble would be fairly low odds. Therefore, you'd have a good chance of winning, but not winning a huge amount. I would rarely get involved with that. In fact, I needed to have ridiculous odds with a really big stake to have any excitement or thrill. This was completely different from anyone else, who were more than happy just to use some extra cash to see the weekend through, to have a bit of fun. So if you're betting with someone, how much are they gambling? And how much do they really want to win? Finally, what money are they using? We all earn enough to cover rent, food, other memberships, and spend between 20 to 50 pounds on betting. If that, that's completely how it started for me. Although when I was using money that I didn't have, maybe money that was meant to be for rent or travel, that's another worry. If you're gambling with someone that you know their money behaviour and that they might be using more than they have, that's another huge concern. Have you ever confronted him about his gambling but accept his reassurance that he has everything under control? So let's say that you've spotted behaviour from the questions I've looked at. The next step would be confronting them. Depending on what you are basing it on or even what evidence you might have, there will most likely be pushback. It is hard to recall memories from a past that you have tried to completely block out, but for a few years I spent a lot of time lying about the extent of the addiction. I was on a plane about to crash into the ground, but acting as if I was just relaxing on a beach. If someone had said I'm worried about how much you are betting, maybe they're concerned about how much time I'm spending or the fact that I currently have an outstanding loan. Of course, I would respond either with, my finances are fine, I'm earning enough money to pay back the loan in the next month, or I only spend a few hours per week on it. If you do confront someone, the likelihood is they wouldn't just give way. It will be a pain trying to get the answers out of them, and even then, they may not be true. My advice would to try and understand the situation as much as possible. Be open and honest about what behaviour you think might be related to an addiction and try and have a conversation with them. If you are aware of their gambling, does he ever tell you about his losses or only his wins? This happened towards the latter stages of the addiction. When people start to become aware of the problem, they ask more questions and check up on you more often. At this point, I only ever told people about the wins. About how I went to a casino with £20 and came out with 200 About how I won a horse racing bet worth £400 in one morning. So if you were hearing that, you'd think, wow, he's not doing too badly at all. But it's the losses that you don't tell anyone about and you try and forget that sneak up on you. Now all I do is tell people about losses I've had, because I've never really won. I haven't won in years. So be wary when talking to someone betting about how they speak about it. Are they being truly honest about the amount of time and money they spend on it? Or are they just telling you about the wins? The final two questions in the checklist relate to family and friends. They ask whether friends have been acting differently around you, or whether 
his family keep calling. When people start finding out, some people find out sooner than others. Maybe your best friend knows, but your mum doesn't. This period is hard because you are just starting to open the floodgates and release the truth to the world. It may have been easy telling a friend that has seen you gambling a lot and would understand more. It's a lot harder telling a partner or a family member who can't quite understand why you are losing thousands of pounds on betting. Why are you doing this to yourself? Ultimately, this part is good for the gambler because the person who now knows will most likely do their best to encourage them to tell everyone else. This is an essential push in the right direction. In my opinion, the more people who know, the more they can help. I'm quite open about things and I think that has massively helped. I could have done the podcast anonymously, for example, but I felt it would be more useful to speak about as just me and not be afraid to talk about past experiences. And it also makes it easier for anyone to reach out. These questions are just something to think about, in my opinion. As mentioned before, there could be other reasons for the behaviour, and it doesn't mean that they have a gambling addiction. But it could point towards that. Finally, gambling addicts are liars. On a betting day, I could have lied up to 100 times in one day, and that's not an exaggeration. I lied about how much I lost. I lied about how much I won. I lied about the fact that I was actually gambling. I lied about the time spent, and the list could go on. What this means is it's not easy to find out if someone is betting, and it's certainly not easy to get the whole truth or find out the extent of the problem. I believe that it is then important to see what family and friends could do. If they were able to recognise this behaviour and speed up the process of finding out, this would help save a lot of time money and pain. If one were to recognise, for example, that your partner is away for long periods of time or has unexplainable mood swings, they could confront them and it would be harder for the addict to lie. As I always say at the end of each episode, any help that I can give is great. There's something awful about a gambling addiction in that your life can change so dramatically in the space of a few days just by having a relapse. I don't want anyone to go through that. A few people have messaged me, so do get in touch if you have any questions or worried about anything yourself.